Touchline takes. In certain terms, a better combination than Mick Jagger and Keith Richards. This Touchline takes podcast. Excuse me for being excited, people. Welcome back to Touchline Takes. It is I, Cameron, with my co-host Carl, and this may be our first ever emergency podcast. Um, things in the world of football are changing at a breakneck pace, um, and to many, and I would say to most, uh, make some changes that are awful, uh, that are, are seen as, as detrimental to the tradition of the sport. Carl, uh, I think you're just as distraught as me. Is that not correct? Yeah, um, I. It's weird. All day today, I've got been kind of in all day yesterday too, and sort of the night before when the news, you know, started breaking and coming out. I just, I don't know. I was at a loss for words. I really wasn't know what I was. Yeah. Sort of going to say or what I could say you know obviously I went you know rage tweeting between my personal account and the touchline takes twitter account I was going back and forth <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was finding memes to put in I was doing all these, a lot of material on there oh, from you so so much material that could go out there um but like I just I'm still like I'm in sort of like this mode right now where I, I feel like so a bit of a shock yeah like I feel like I'm in like this weird nightmare you know what I mean? That, like, yeah. you feel like, okay, this is happening, but it doesn't feel real. Like, this isn't something that's actually gonna, you know, transpire. It's actually not gonna, you know, formulize and take place mm-hmm. and kind of take over how we view the sport. But, like, the more I'm seeing about it, the more I'm reading about it, the more I'm like, this is happening. Whether we like it or not, you yeah. know, I I saw yesterday early on that because um, UEFA was meeting today, to discuss like the new champions. right there they're having that meeting yeah the- and actually carl let's 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 uh take a step back for a second and yeah. i think it would be best if i know i know most people who are very invested and involved in the the soccer slash football world mm-hmm. um probably already know about this but i think it would be best for us to just kind of walk through it yeah um and talk out you know what what we are talking about here so uh, we're talking about the announcement of the European Super League, um, and Carl, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is a uh, a closed doors, twelve team league, right? Uh, sort of seen as a replacement of the Champions League, but probably a little bit more. Right. Um, so, Carl, can you do you do you have the list of the twelve teams? Um, I can pull it up real quick. Um, okay. Twelve. So there's been twelve official teams that have been announced. Okay. Um, the 12 teams are in, in no particular order. Actually, this is alphabetical order. We have AC Milan of Italy, Arsenal of England, Atletico Madrid of Spain, Chelsea of England, Barcelona, Inter Milan, Juventus, Liverpool, Manchester City, Manchester United, Real Madrid, and last but not least, Tottenham are all part of this league as of now there's rumors Mm -hmm. um about you know rb leipzig a couple more yeah porto is another rumor that's been going around Um, i think the rumor was in regards to those teams that uh i think it was dortmund Mm -hmm. psg 
and a couple others, uh, I think Porto included, right, uh, denied the opportunity. They Byron said that did they too. did not want the opportunity. Right, right, Bayern as well. Um, I'm a, I'm actually a little surprised that Red Bull didn't, but uh, yes. So the, I don't want I don't want to get too off topic, but yeah. uh, so those are some of the teams that stated they were not interested. Um, so that's if for those of you that were were keeping track, that's six clubs from England, uh, three from Spain, and three from Italy. So I think that already speaks to a, a bit of the conundrum here: is that it's calling itself the European Super League, and it's right. it's only three countries. Yeah, it's it's only three countries out of how many countries in Europe? It's like I, I couldn't something. even tell you. It's a lot. It's, At least like yeah, forty. It's like forty something know. countries in Europe, and I mean, like basically the way they've set it up is if you know, Daddy doesn't have the money, you're not getting in. You know, it's, right, it's, right. You you have to pay the. And price. that's an important part. This this is a closed doors league. So, um, contrary to how the Champions League runs, where you qualify based on uh, merit, so where you place in the previous season's domestic league, whether that be uh, in England, in Italy, mm-hmm. Germany, uh, Portugal, wherever. Right. Um, this is a closed door league. So these teams are. That's it. Those are the teams that will be in the it, league it, from here on out. With, I believe they said they were going to have five or six kind of guest Rotating. slots. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah. And, and they said it was going to be based on merit, but like, how do you're you destroying all the domestic leagues. Right, like, right. How, so, how, how, did, how, I, <laughs> how do they plan to judge that? Like, I mean, I feel like, and, and it's funny because like Florentino Perez, and for those of you who don't know, Florentino Perez is the president of Real Madrid and he's going to be the what they're calling the commissioner. I mean, we'll get into this more, but he's being called the mm. commissioner of the European that Super League. That doesn't sound familiar or anything. Oh, it doesn't, does it? Um, and so mm. he said that, um, you know, I think it was like 12 years ago in 2009, there was some article going around Twitter from um, Sky Sports, and it was saying that he was calling for this back in 2009. So you think if you've been thinking about this for 13 years, you would have a little bit more of a concrete plan of how you're going to sort of rotate those clubs and do this sort of thing. But it's like... Well, yeah, I think that's part of the how this came about is that for the longest time, I don't think this was a serious idea. No. I think this was a bargaining chip. Uh, to sort of mold the Champions League to the desires of people like Florentino Perez. Um, And on top of that, you know, kind of the the stalwarts of English uh, football. So, you know, you've got your Manchester United, Liverpool, Arsenal. Um, And, you know, I think it's years ago, probably even 2009, that wouldn't have been a Tottenham discussion. No. But I think (laughs) that with the money involved, you know, and, and that new stadium that Tottenham just built, um, you know, they're hopping on board. Uh, Manchester City. I, I, th- that's the thing that I was a little confusing about the Manchester City pick was that these own that their owners don't need the money. No, and that's I don't I don't know. Yeah, and that's why I was not really surprised that PSG hasn't like jumped ship into this yet because they don't need the right. money. Like, and you would think at the same time that Manchester City would be all googly eyes for UEFA after not getting them in trouble when they should have gotten them in trouble last year. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's definitely it, this is 
not even close to based on merit of getting in or merit by club. You know what I mean? Like even as a Tottenham right. fan, I can sit here and say like, what the hell are we doing with all these other clubs? The only reason we're here is because we, you know, we're valued more than other clubs in England. We're valued more than other clubs in Europe. That's why we're here. And I mean, Florentino Perez was talking about it a bit today during his interview that, you know, they're the most attractive thing about football. This was yeah. his quote. The attractive thing in football is playing between big clubs. The value for television increases and more income is generated. And he's basically here calling himself the Jesus of, you know, football because yeah, he's. But whereas he could have been making he could have been making changes to the way that. Um, I mean, the way that the TV rights deal works in Spain mm -hmm. is I, I, I think it's actually like they negotiate the contracts themselves, the clubs. I'm not sure if that's correct. So somebody can definitely correct me if I'm wrong and I'll, I'll look into this further. But right. my point is that the, the big clubs there receive such a massive chunk of the TV rights deals that the, the disparity uh, in terms of what they can afford for players and player salaries is so vast between them and you know a club like Ibar, um, and it, I, I just think that like Perez could have done more along these lines to 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 increase the bottom line of those clubs and and make you know a Sevilla a Valencia more competitive. Right. Um, but I think that 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 kind of goes with the second point of this whole thing is that they wanted that that guaranteed european competition oh yeah um and you know things things were already pretty easy for them as it goes with the champions league with italy spain germany and england all being guaranteed for um for group stage spots right but i i guess that wasn't enough and i i mean i get it for the english clubs you know with the top six being as competitive as it is but right when you're talking about spain yeah how, uh, how much has that rotated over the last like atletico yeah. Real Madrid and Barcelona have been the top three for how many years now? Like, I mean, Sevilla right. might sneak sneak their way in there, or Valencia might have a good. And year. Let's be real; they like the Europa League better anyway. So <laughs> exactly, Sevilla's like, oh, we're not gonna give up our chance to win another Europa League title. But like, it's right. No, and like in Italy, it's odd enough in Italy too because I mean, I get it for AC Milan and Inter who who have struggled for the the better part of the last decade, but hey, they're they're finally top four and they're looking like they could consistently be top four for right. um, years here on out. But it, I think it once again it comes back they they don't like the risk mm -hmm. um, for the owners. It's they, a guaranteed what, paycheck. It's a guaranteed right. paycheck every single year, and I mean. The, the scariest thing is the way I look at this is, you know, how they've basically just taken the model of no relegation, you know, no pro rel here. Like th there's no fear for these owners whatsoever to lose any sort of income. And so at the same time, why should these owners give a shit about their, you know, their teams? Yeah. Like, in well, let's talk, let's talk about that actually a little bit, Carl. Um, in terms of the the motivation that um, or lack of motivation that, mm -hmm. that this change would create uh, in the domestic leagues, what are you playing for at, at, at this point now? If if I, I mean, I don't see how the Champions League survives something like this. It, it certainly could. Right. Um, and these clubs could certainly be kicked out of their domestic leagues, which um, we should note. Uh, most of the the domestic federations have stated that they are planning on kicking 
um, these specific clubs out mm-hmm. if they move forward with the Super League, mm-hmm. right? Isn't that the the the, yeah. the press release that they the, provided? That most domestic leagues have said that UEFA, the UEFA president, gave some great great sound today during his press conference earlier this morning. Mm. Um, and I mean, he went after them. Florentino Perez was sitting there today during his press conference saying, you know, they can't do this. It's against the law. The law will protect us. <laughs> That's not true. Yeah. I mean, we were talking about before the podcast, Cameron, and you mentioned how like in England or something or in the UK, they have an article yeah. that like says the government basically has control over you know the yeah ex- i think it's the, Eng- the english fa has the ability to say like you have to basically you have to clear what competitions you're playing in with us yeah um so you know that 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 goes for they can go to the fa cup they can go to the league cup mm-hmm. uh they're allowed to play in the champions league but anything else and- if you're sending your senior team that that was one of the specific lines that i should note that said their senior team um if you're trying to play in any other competition that has to be cleared by the fa and Clearly, the FA is not on board with the Super League, so I don't know how a lot of these clubs can argue that uh, they're still going to be able to play in a a domestic season. So um, I guess that's my first question for you, Carl, is um, kind of, you know, we're we're looking for a reaction here. So Mm. if this if this happens, Carl, and I've had to struggle with this myself, would you continue to watch Tottenham if they are purely in the Super League? I will have a hard time. Um, I I say that <laughs> I say that now because I think I'm fired up and I think I'm upset. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, I I watch Tottenham even now when they absolutely suck, um, <laughs> and so I put myself through punishment as it is watching them play. Um, it's it's really heartbreaking to me. You know, honestly, I'm I'm a huge Tottenham fan. I love Tottenham. Right. Um, watching their run to the Champions League a few years ago was, you know, one of the best sort of football memories at a, as a fan that I can remember. Um, but it's just, it, it, it is going to be really difficult because I, I just, I, I can't help but to think about the domino effect this is going to have to the domestic leagues, to the smaller clubs. Um, And I have a fear of what it's going to have because, I mean, you know, the TV deals are going to, the sponsors, the TV deals are going to get kind of like pulled out from underneath some of these, you know, domestic leagues, like in the Premier League. Like, are people really going to tune in to watch Fulham against Burnley? I, yeah, that's a good question. Um, with 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 how these Sky deals have been going, yeah, uh, I, I I'm not sure if they'll put the same amount of money forward if all of a sudden the top six are gone. No. That yeah, you're right. That could have huge implications. It, I mean, these clubs are doing it out of their self interest to get that guaranteed. I think it was about 200 million, maybe more than that, a season from this league. Yeah. Um, I I believe as it stands right now, most clubs in England in the the, the Premier League are getting about a hundred million pounds a year i think to play based on the latest um broadcast deal but if that evaporates i mean what happens to a club like like uh fulham or, or everton or um you know wolves yeah. like wh- what that the, the domino effect is you know these six clubs are getting paid but what happens to these 14 clubs it's... that are, are they all of a sudden going to lose out on all those finances and it's these six clubs wanted to avoid risk 
It, but it, it's just like at, at their avoidance of risk, these fourteen clubs are all now in a, in a you know a very precarious situation. I, I think a hundred percent, and I think a million percent. I, it's going to have such a negative impact on the entire global landscape of the game of football. And I'm not just talking about you know the the global TV deals are going to be huge. NBC Sports, Peacock mm. probably aren't going to pick up the Premier League anymore. I mean, people are going to be going after the Super League to be you know the get to get the tv rights of this deal and so like you know well and it's ironic because like as of now you have all these pundits on i think specifically sky and nbc who are decrying the whole situation but um you kind of have to wonder like is it just because they've got the deals right now Mm -hmm. and they don't know who's going to get it um, moving forward for the Super League is, is that like why they're allowed to come out against this I, I don't know yeah. Um, but yeah man I, I don't know I mean it's just like the financial implications it it, it it seems like they're thinking we're growing the game and we're we're growing revenues when in reality they're just pooling all the revenues for themselves exactly. in one specific spot they're, they're just growing the revenues for their specific for their own pockets do you really think that Stan Kroenke right. Uh, you know, the owner of Arsenal, for those of you who don't know, do you really think that Kroenke is going to be like, wow, now I have more money. I'm going to invest in my team now. No way. He's no. going to pocket that money and he's not even going to invest a dime if he doesn't have to in his team. Because again, he is guaranteed. And you mentioned earlier, I think it's closer mm. to like $400 million every season. $400 million. Yeah, I think the to, to join alone, I think it was like, I think I read it was 325 million pounds. Yeah. So that that's well over 400 million US dollars just to join the league alone. And I, I think importantly, you know, you, you have a club like Tottenham and you have a club like Barcelona. Um, Barcelona, who's in dire straits financially um, in a lot of ways, but um, Tottenham, who's in uh, some financial problems. I wouldn't say financial problems, but With the new um, stadium they've got liabilities the, on the books because yeah, of the new stadium. Right. That's a massive chunk of change to just drop on them to essentially write off all of those liabilities immediately. Yeah. Um, so I can see why they do it. And then you have, I think, another odd financial situation with the Glazers who own um, <laughs> Manchester United. And the way that they purchased Manchester United was essentially taking out loans against the value of Manchester United. So uh, completely indebting the club, and that, that debt continues to grow. I mean... Uh, I guess power to Ed Woodward in the sense that he has managed to get them a sponsorship deal for literally everything under the sun. But uh, it it doesn't take away from the fact that the way that that club was purchased, it stinks. And I mean, coming yeah. from a Liverpool supporter, I, I feel bad for them because that club was sort of taken away from the fans and it, it, it kind of ushered in this new age of how ownership can work in, in, in for, for football teams. And I mean, I think... As American sports fans, we're sort of used to that with how stadiums are financed right. here, where um, a lot of the times that comes in the sh- in the form of a bond, um, where the city is on the hook for the stadium costs and the construction, and then you you know you have these franchises just get up and leave, and then you have um, what can become an eyesore mm-hmm. and a huge debt to the city, and and that's creeping its way into European football, and it's. It's scary, man. I, I I keep sitting here like we're talking about this and I'm, I'm hearing you say it and, and I, I can't believe it. No. I, I, you know, we've heard countless rumors of this Super League, but now it's here. They've got a website. 
They've got social media. Right. It's a real thing. Yeah, it, it's I, it's <laughs> like it, you made a great point or earlier that for the last decade or so, they've been talking about this as a bargaining chip. And they, they've been kind of hinting at it as a way to put pressure on UEFA, put pressure on FIFA, put pressure on these other organizations. But now it's like, I feel like they've kind of, you know, had held, you know, sort of, it's like the boy who cried wolf, right? Like now it's just like, they're just going through with it. And uh, maybe that wasn't the best analogy, but like, you know what I mean? Like they, they are going through with an idea that they thought was just like this, you know, kind of crazy thing um, a decade ago. And it actually, you know, for them, to them somehow makes sense. And I mean, I guess in their position as owners, like a lot of these owners could, you know, we've seen throughout history um, or since they've taken over, really don't care that much about the fans of these clubs. Um, I think the only exception to that might be the, you know, the Fenway Sports Group. Um, I'm actually... I, I don't want to say I'm surprised, but I thought, you know, John Henry and others like that sort of cared about because, I mean, they kind of brought Liverpool back to where they are now. And now it seems like they're just taking out the rug from, un, you know, from underneath the fans. Yeah, and I think that's actually a good transition towards um, one of the other recent occurrences, um, sort of a, a counter or what people thought was going to be a counter to the, the Super League from UEFA. Uh, and that was their revamping of how the Champions League format um, was going to work, starting with the 2024-2025 season. Mm -hmm. um, as of right now, the way that it works is it uh, enters a 32-team um, group stage. So they all split off into uh, groups of four. Um, they play home and away against each team, and then uh, the top two clubs from each group move on to a knockout phase. Uh, the the new sort of format was they were um, bumping that up from 32 to 36 teams. This was actually just announced today, uh, and they were going to run it as sort of a, 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 a full table, I believe. So it was going to be a table format similar to you know all the domestic leagues. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then each team was guaranteed, I think, 10 games. So it was supposed to sort of grow the amount of, of play and, um, I guess, revenue that each team would get from the competition by having those extra games. Um, and it was kind of like random. It's not I know some people are complaining that like, oh, it's not really fair. It's like, well, yeah, but you can still get drawn in groups that aren't necessarily fair. Right. Um, but I think one of the important parts is I oddly enough i haven't found it in the uh uefa press release but one of the um, points that a lot of people were making leading up to this announcement was that it was going to include some sort of clause um that would include teams that were historically well performing hmm. um based on i think their coefficient so if they didn't qualify through the traditional process of um so like placing one through four in england or spain um if they didn't qualify that way, they could qualify on their historic merit, <laughs> which isn't great. And I don't think it encourages a a very diverse group of clubs. No. Um, I can see why they were doing it. I think that speaks to the, the pressure. back to our point of yeah. the Super League being a bargaining chip is that, you know, for instance, a club like Arsenal right now who is sitting in ninth, I think, could have been 10th or 11th could have dropped to 10th yeah. or 11th by now um you know that that's they're looking for that uh and 
it, it just doesn't it doesn't sit well with me. I know that UEFA probably felt like they had to do this. Right. Um but it it just I think we were talking not that long ago about the 70s and the 80s of the um the the Champions League. Um I don't think it was called the Champions League at that time. It was like the it wasn't the European Cup Winners Cup. It was the UEFA uh, not the UEFA Cup because I think that was the Europa League. I don't know, man. It but was my point is that back back then, you know, you'd see like Style Bucharest win. Um, I think Reds not was it Red Star Belgrade. I think Red Star Belgrade mm-hmm. had a a win in the Champions League. You had a much more diverse competition, a cosmopolitan competition that truly represented all of Europe, and and that's just fading away. Oh yeah. I mean, this is this is getting a little off topic here again, but. Uh, I don't know if you saw that recently. There's been more and more stories about the potential of the the Ben Liga, the com- the combination of the Netherlands um, Eredivisie and the um, Belgian Pro League. Did you hear about that at all? I did not. No, that's definitely news to me. Yeah, so I think the idea of that was that you know both of those leagues are continuing to lose ground on the the top, say five or six um, leagues, and that they felt like that was the only way forward there was a lot of i think deloitte helped them do some projections um essentially stating that you know their their tv revenue would practically double uh which would mean a lot for those clubs um it would be tough to figure out how the promotion and relegation would work but at least that was still a discussion point Mm -hmm. um but that's that's just that's a, a a point to you know how these domestic federations are already trying to fight the disparity that exists as it stands but then you bring in a super league. Yeah, it's good night. <laughs> and it, it's good night. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what where, where does a league like that stand anymore if, if that happens? No, it, they they don't stand anywhere. They barely I mean already the to the point you just made, like already they can barely stand on their own. And so it's it's going to be awful, man. And <laughs> seriously, if this goes through, this is going to be one of the biggest seismic shifts, I think, in like sports history, like throughout the entire globe in sports history. I mean, you think of all the things, um, you know, obviously just here in the U.S. have happened, you know, throughout the NBA, MLB, NHL, NFL, whatever you have it. This is going to be one of the biggest things ever to happen in sports history. Maybe one of like the largest things to happen. I mean, I shouldn't say world history, but like you, you think of how many fans of this sport, how many fans of just European soccer in general there are across the globe that this is going to affect. And I mean, you'll see the dom. I think obviously you'll see the domino effect first in Europe with the smaller clubs struggling, right. the smaller leagues struggling. But then you'll see the bigger leagues start to struggle because of this. And then, like, I mean, how does that affect leagues in South America? How does that affect leagues in the U.S.? I mean, you think of South America, where a lot of these clubs go over and they scout and they bring people over. You know, um, what about you know? I'm trying to think. Uh, well, and, and sh- con- consequentially, there's already been talk of merging um, Liga MX, yeah, with with uh, MLS, right? So, I mean, does that does that just push that along? Does that does that give them the okay to move forward with with something so, like that? Another sort of super league, you know, you know what I mean? Like, right? Um, and you you sort of think like the. Cl- 
these other clubs across Europe aren't going to have the funding that they once had. So a lot of players who would, you know, sort of get an opportunity, a lot of younger kids in these lower leagues um, across Europe, across the globe, aren't going to get that chance to come over to Europe. You know, it's just, it's going to be... Nor do I think we'll see the same sort of investment uh, in in owners coming in and buying clubs with the potential to bring them up through the ranks and eventually into the champions league i don't think that same desire will exist if the preeminent product is a closed league that has drawn most of the revenue away from all the other leagues and whatever competition uefa manages to continue to hold exactly um exactly and to your to your point with south america i think the only thing that i am holding on to is that uh as they have continued to be uh rooted in tradition um, I, I mean, you could actually argue a little bit that, you know, an organization like Argentina, which has struggled with promotion and relegation, mm-hmm. um, may not quite fall into that category. But I, I think by and large, um, South America is kind of the bastion of, of tradition in football and culture. So uh, I, I hope that maybe some eyes will will turn to that competition. And I think you mentioned um now, you can talk a little bit more about this if you'd like. Mm-hmm. Uh, the it wasn't Paramount Plus. They were going to be doing English broadcasts of yeah both the Argentinian league and the Syria. So Paramount Plus has already started uh, with the Argentina league. Oh. Um, so you can catch usually on the weekends. You can catch almost all their games right there. Um, and then Brazil City, um, I think they, they're in state championships right now. They're going to start up again, I think halfway through May, end of May. And so that's when games should start, you know, being streamed on Paramount Plus there, um, which I mean, we've talked about before, again, kind of off topic, but sort of the accessibility of the game and watching the sport right. is, just continues to grow. And that's really awesome. Um, but I, I just hope that it's the right time for that, you know, exactly. that people will see that, oh, hey, this is an option for me. Right. This is a product I can give my money to. Exactly. And it's, it's, it's amazing. And now, you know, I, it's, you know, it's obviously it's tough for somebody to really learn about it, but if they've now got English commentators, you know, that, that, that leaves room for Americans. And I, right. I guess, you know, every, everyone that's an English speaker in the world to, to give that product an opportunity. And, and I think, you know, we sit, the, the only way I think the Super League fails. The only way is either, I think, A, you know, players step up, they say something about it, um, especially mm-hmm. if UEFA does and is able to come down with a hammer of banning them from domestic Some leagues. of them have. And they have. Like, I, and, but Bruno Fernandez and James Milner both have uh, publicly made comments. Yeah, and so that that's good to see. More players need to start to do that, especially, you know, again, if UEFA comes down and says you can't, you know, play in national comp you know for your national teams or in the domestic leagues i think yeah that'll be huge i I think that's a point we haven't addressed yet i i think if uefa goes through with this and is able to go with i i don't think it's a matter if if they go through with it i think they want to i don't know where the legality of that stands if they can sort of do that um i don't know if it depends on country or if uefa kind of has and fifa have a governing governing body that you know can kind of control all that I think if that happens, you know, you're going to see a lot of players want to jump ship from this because obviously mm. um, I, it's important to play for their their national team. I think, you know, what what kid grows up not wanting to be the star for his national team exactly. at the World Cup? I think it's 
I, I you know in recent years people have said that it's it's kind of slowly losing steam to the club game but mm-hmm. I disagree I think every every time the World Cup comes around um we really see how important it is to people who live in the countries and to the players themselves who right. you know often seem really humbled by the competition and that's that's coming from you know playing in front of full stadiums already and and making millions of dollars a year and then they you know they come to these competitions and it's it's all on the line for their country it's not necessarily about them right no 100% and that the part of me really hopes that that's the case another part of me is like you know seeing this seeing the greed behind this sort of super league thing i think like are you know are the majority of players really going to think that way or are they going to be like hey i can make more money in this league it doesn't really matter if i'm playing for england yeah. or france or spain like I can make so much more money like playing here, playing. For I, Real I wouldn't Madrid. be surprised. You know, you got like Jorge Mendes and, um, you know, what is it, Rayola? I think so. I, yeah. Those guys are gonna one hundred percent gonna be like, oh yeah, just just go to the Super League, bro. You know, we're gonna get you paid because <laughs> okay. that's that's just been that their their jack. mo from the get go. I would be shocked if somebody like Jorge Mendes came out and said. Nope, none of my players should play in this Super League product. That that would be the shock of the century. That would be more <laughs> shocking than the Super League itself, if you ask me. Yeah, that. I mean, if that happened, then we can all agree the whole football world has turned upside down on its head. Um, yeah, yeah. If Neymar's dad said, you know, Neymar is not going to the Super League, but I would be shocked. But at the same time, too, like. Um, I, I don't know if banning them from the national teams coming from UEFA is just in Europe. Um, I, uh, I, I don't know. Like, let's they, think of like Pulisic for Chelsea. Um, is yeah. he going to be banned or um, McKinney for Juventus? Like, are they going to be banned? And how does that work? Like, it, are they banned just from the Olymp? I mean, the 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 World Cup, but can they play in the Olympics because that's not a FIFA competition? That's a you know, I, I guess it's still is it it's still under the FA or of yeah, the of the of the nation, correct? Of the nation, like, but I don't think FIFA or UEFA have any sort of like control. I don't know. Like, like this is all this is all new. It's to all conjecture everyone. at this point, like, really. So it, yeah, it, it's, it's every, everything is speculating at this point. I mean, I think for everyone, we're just all trying to wrap our heads around like what is actually going on. Like, how is this happening? Why is this happening? Right. And then because it started as just another rumor, but then it solidified really quickly that snowball. no, this is not just an intense rumor. This is not another you know Cristiano Ronaldo is leaving Real Madrid or, or or Lionel Messi is leaving Barcelona rumor like this is they've got a website like I, exactly that, that seems pretty real to me as soon as you have a website website it's over man um and Perez was speaking of which if you want to use our code you can set up a website on Squarespace just kidding we're not sponsored by Squarespace but this would have been a perfect plug for them that, that, that would have been a perfect sort of transition into and if anybody from Squarespace is listening like we would totally be interested in being sponsored mm-hmm. by you guys like honestly like I'm sure we could find a way to segue ourselves into that again if we needed to 100%. so um hit us up i mean we've been talking about (laughs) greed and money and clubs taking the money but you know like if you wanted to say squarespace offers a fair deal for web hosting and creation services so definitely not greedy there (laughs) (laughs) have you we should get paid for this have you thought about (laughs) setting up your own website well have you heard of squarespace 
see. I have like the perfect. All right, Carl. They're not actually paying us, so I don't think we should give them any more time. (laughs) Um, but it's man, Cameron. I I'm I'm like scrolling through this Perez interview right now, and there's there's another quote he had. He's off talking about Holland and Mbappe now, but there's this other quote that says. If young people find football matches too long, it may be because they are not interesting enough, or maybe we might have to take or ha- have to make the football matches shorter. And I'm just like, this guy does not care about he the sport at all. He doesn't. And I mean, I I don't think I've ever heard. And like, correct me if I'm wrong, any listeners, if you feel this way. I don't think I've ever heard someone who is a fan of the game who watches soccer say. This is boring because it's too long. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I've definitely heard people say it's boring, but it's not the length (laughs) of the game. It's that people, you know, want more scoring or this and that. Like shortening the game is not going to do that. It's not going to add. It's going (laughs) to add less scoring, especially if you're going up against Tottenham, because the only goals they give up or score are past the 80th minute. So, like, that's you know, and. Sorry. I- well, and here's here's actually sorry. I want to I want to bring up another point because I was thinking about this today. Um, the transfers. Yeah. I, I don't know <laughs> if you watched it, but I came across a, a video from um, Tifo, which is a really good um, channel on YouTube that I definitely suggest people watch. Um, topics range from tactics to club histories to just wacky football stories. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely give it a check out, Tifo. Uh, they had a story on the Colombian League. Um, I believe it was in the 70s uh, was the time frame. Um, and the Colombian League at one point, I guess there was a split between the Federation and the League. So it, it became for a while an unsanctioned league. Um, and I think at that point it was pretty well funded by some nefarious means. Um, and because they were no longer sanctioned, they didn't have to follow the same type of rules that most of the other leagues had to fall. So there was this influx of spending and I'm, I'm not doing this justice, but, uh, there was this influx of spending that led to players from Argentina, mm-hmm. uh, coming to play in Colombia and mass. Um, I believe even players from Europe, uh, came just because of the, the outlandish wages compared to most other clubs and, uh, leagues. And, um, you know, eventually, I, th- I I can't quite remember how it all came together, but eventually there were some agreements and they were sanctioned again and they had to play the, by the rules. I think they might have had to, to give some players back that had previously been playing for them. Um, but my roundabout point is, if that's a scenario like that, where they were not sanctioned by FIFA, um, they're brought by Bowl, the um, South American Confederation, is that something that we might see moving forward with the Super League that they don't have to follow? Like, for instance, FFP, um, you know, it's not like they'll need to with the amount of money they have. But I do wonder what sort of sketchy sort of transfer dealings may occur with a league that it's clearly not um, that FIFA and UEFA are not willing to sanction in the first place. It's interesting that you break, bring up this point because... I, I don't know how true this is. There's been a lot of stuff going around, but it almost sounds like they're going to put salary caps in place for these teams. So really? Yes. Um, and this brings me to, uh, you know, sort of another point that I want to, I want to mention with why I'm upset about this. And I know this is going to get me a lot of hate mail, but they are ruining the sport because they're trying to Americanize the sport. 
and yep. bef- I, I, it's taken 40 minutes, but we finally got there. We, we finally got there. The whole reason why I am so upset about, and there's a lot of reasons why I'm upset about this, but it's because they're trying to Americanize this sport that has no business being Americanized. Um, no. And what I mean, and I sort of want to expand, what I mean about it being Americanized is that exact thing. They want to do salary caps. Um, I mean, the most obvious thing is this whole thing's funded by JP Morgan. You look at all the majority of the owners, they're all American. Um, there's rumors. Carl, what was the, do you have the figure in front of you just so we can get that out there? Uh, JP Morgan announced, or they were partnering with the super league and there was a funding, uh, amount provided to the tune of like 5 billion pounds or 6 billion pounds, something like that. I uh, I am looking now. I have so I'll cover for I you. I have so many tweets right now that I just I can't even remember. Uh, do 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 do. But I I do agree with you on that. No, and I think it it just goes along with the 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 fact that they want to mitigate any and all risk. Um, and I I think it comes with the fact of how poorly run some of these clubs have been, and it's yeah. Uh, we're we're essentially rewarding them for we're bailing them out or we're, we're not bailing them out but they're bailing themselves out yeah for for really poor financial management 100%. for years i mean it's other than clubs like liverpool and i would say even tottenham until they built the stadium they were well run um but you have you know your barcelona your manchester united's um even the milan clubs were not exactly um run to a probably a high caliber accountant standards um so it was and this is in euros but 4.6 billion dollar billion dollars or not billion dollars wow 4.6 billion euros um jp morgan is wow. financing for this league um so jp morgan like th- that's a lot of dogecoin what, what jp morgan just basically did is taken all the government bailout money from the pandemic and just said here you go european super league fly high yeah and yeah yeah and <laughs> it, it it's i mean it's insane man like the money behind this is absolutely insane and another thing i want to mention that just like i'm again looking through this florentino perez interview this He's right. basically saying that triple down economics is going to save soccer. That's basically what he's saying. Yeah, he's that, saying that, that didn't save Spanish soccer. No, so he's saying that if all the big clubs have all the money, it's going to somehow trickle its way right down to the Burnleys, to the Fulhams, to the Crystal Palaces, to the West Ham's, to all these other clubs. I I don't know what world these people are living in. I, I don't know. No, where... yeah, and that that didn't happen with the Champions League either. So I'm not I'm not convinced on that front. And I mean, it's just like the the beauty of the sport of soccer, the beauty of the game is the fact you know you go back to 2016, you see a Leicester City win the Premier League. The beauty of the game is when you see you know a Jose Mourinho Porto win the champions league like that's right or an or an ajax with um a deep run to with, the semifinals uh, frank de jong and uh who's the the center back on, on juve um delete no uh yeah, Matt, delete yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 i mean they made it all the way to the semis donny van beek and then the, ne- the next season they had to go through the qualification process if that doesn't speak to how messed up 
the the world of football was already getting. I I don't know, man. It, it's in like or it's how about like the the Monaco's like when Kylian Mbappe's there at right. 18, 19 years old, just you know scoring on Barcelona, scoring on Real Madrid, like. I don't think Mbappe gets found out as soon as he does if he's not doing that in the Champions League for Monaco on that stage. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I mean, I guess there's other ways, like, but like globally, he doesn't become the superstar he already is because of that. And like... Yeah, and I mean, I I'm, I wasn't a huge fan of the changes they made to the Champions League, but I think the fact that they they continue to make opportunities for for clubs lower down the totem pole mm-hmm. um you know with that being the europa league and then uh what was supposed to start i believe next season uh the uefa conference league i i, I think it, it gets to your point of it gives players an ability to shine on a more important stage and i think we're we're really lessening the ability of those players to shine and and i don't even know if we'll see a third tier European competition if, if the Super League takes over like this. And that's that's sad to see because I was excited to see, um, you know, smaller clubs, whether that's from Ireland or Scotland or, um, you know, Romania get to fight it out because that's part of the game to me is the, the global nature of it and the discovery that comes along with that. Yeah, there, there, there's no sport that connects the globe like football does. There is not a single sport that connects us all like this game does. And... It, it just feels like everything's being taken away from that. Like we're just giving the spotlight and maybe, I mean, obviously I feel like it's been transitioning this way for the last couple decades or so, but it's just, you know, these big super league clubs, it's just the whole spotlight's on them now. Nobody, no other club. If, you, if you're a fan of another club, well, basically almost screw you. You know what I mean? Like it, it's just, that's how we've transitioned in this game and it's 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 seriously heartbreaking man it 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 really is you know one of the worst feelings to see this happening as a fan in real time and i mean maybe it feels even worse being a fan of one of the clubs that you're seeing take part in this um but it's I agree. I agree because, you know, we love like, for instance, uh, Nisa on this on this uh, podcast. Right. And I think we love Nisa because of what they're doing and, and the, the way that they're approaching the sport, mm-hmm. because eventually um, and I think USL has stated this to a certain extent. Um, they are looking for the, the eventual integration of promotion and relegation. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are they are also very supportive of, of that local grassroots culture. Um, right. I think Nisa probably champions that a little bit harder, uh, and and it's it's hard to not immediately think: Are they going to lose steam in those efforts because of something like this, which is showing that the money is not in that? Right. And I, I think you know it, it's going to take the fans to kind of revolt like we're doing right now, um, for them to continue to to feel that belief that what they're doing is is purposeful and, it, and it's meaningful and and that you know it's what the people want mm-hmm. um so so it's it's certainly hard man and um i you know i i think it, it it all started when you started to see more i would say american owners or or just people who don't really have a lot of skin in the game of of the tradition they could care of less. their clubs that they were purchasing coming in and, and buying those clubs and and just fundamentally changing how they operated i mean you could pretty much just say that the glazers came in 
And they didn't even really care about Manchester United as a team. Mm-mm. They cared about it as a brand. Yeah, same thing with Franke and, and Arsenal. You know, even as a Tottenham fan, agreed. like I look at Arsenal and what's happened to them for the last decade or so, and I'm like, that's heartbreaking. You're you're talking about a club who, you know, at the turn of the century, you know, was one of the biggest clubs in the world. And yeah, the Invincibles. Yeah, the Invincibles. Yeah. Like, and it's Manchester United, the only English club to, you know, do a quadruple. Like, you... Like the history, and that's the other thing. The history, man, it just feels like these they're just spitting all over it. Just the entire game, not just the clubs, but the entire game, just so they can make you know a couple extra billion dollars, <laughs> right? And it, and it, you know, and I, I know we talk about them quite a bit on this podcast, but I think it's a good example of, of why the, the way the sport functions is, is so important and what makes the stories that much better is um for example rangers who um due to financial mismanagement they went into administration had to drop all the way to the bottom of the scottish football pyramid um they worked their way back up they struggled against celtic for years uh and then just this year they finally won the title again mm-hmm. um yeah, blocking celtic of any chance of winning 10 in a row and i think you know you wouldn't have that storyline if if this is how the sport was run if it was only a closed structure you would rangers would have never been relegated or they just would have been completely um eliminated as a team they, they, you know if they had gone into administration that bad nobody picked them up they would have been done right and some other team would have come in to you know some new franchise would have come in and some celtic um, fans would probably say that they are a new franchise they're sevco but uh, that's besides the point um so yeah it just i think you know the way that it functions really creates the stories that we know and love and w- without those traditional um functions of promotion and relegation I, you don't i don't that. know and I, I i think i might have been a little less concerned if this super league was going to have promotion and relegation but i think we can already tell that that is not in their plan no it's going to be a complete closed door. They talk about the five, like we mentioned, the five rotating clubs. Obviously, those clubs are going to be the bigger clubs as well who don't get their first pick, you know, of coming in. You'll never see, you know, a Leicester City in this sort of Super League. You'll never see a West Ham. You'll maybe never see a Valencia, Villarreal, um, Monaco, uh just the Roma, Roma, even like you might not ever see in these sort of things. Ajax, what happens to Ajax? Talk about a club with history, especially in Europe. Yeah, great point. Ajax, because they're in the Dutch league, what's going to happen to them? I mean, and even who quite literally is the the reason that the current philosophies of Barcelona and I would even say Manchester City exist to the extent that they do today. Exactly. Without Ajax, you don't you don't have that. So like it's, I don't know what's gonna happen, man. And it's trying to again trying to wrap my head around everything. Like you know, obviously I want to be a half you know glass half full you know optimistic type of person that it's not gonna be a nightmare. It's not gonna be you know sort of detrimental like we're talking about. But I just don't see any scenario when it where it isn't completely more negative than positive i just don't see any sort of scenario in this i completely agree and i think that's a good place to wrap Mm -hmm. that conversation up at the very least um definitely i i mean i don't have i don't have too much else to talk about but uh you know we did have 
MLS, uh, you know, our other, our current favorite closed-door league. Exactly. Um, they started up play again. Um, one point I do want to make on MLS is, although they could have started out as a promotion and relegation system, it did make a little more sense that they started as a closed-door. But that's besides the point. You know okay. how we stand on that. Right. We want them to be pro-rel. Right. But they started their season again. A lot of bangers. A lot um, of bangers, man. It's going to be the season of bangers. That's what it's going to be. Yeah, look. Looking to be pretty exciting. Um, uh, there more news to come from USL and NISA, I'm sure. Exactly. That starts up this weekend. USL, uh, USL Championship yep. starts up this weekend. So check that True. out. Yeah, USL if 2 you, has already started. You know, if you're a longtime fan or, or League One, if you haven't, you know, checked them out before, definitely check them out. Um, other big news we got our Instagram up and running. Round of Hell applause yeah. for that. We've we did it. Finally, we've been talking about it for months now. We finally did it. So go check that out. Follow us at Touchline Takes on Instagram. We'll be hitting you with some sweet stuff, sweet content on there. Maybe some videos, um, maybe some special deals. Who knows? Maybe you can get a nice deal at Squarespace um, from our Instagram. <laughs> um, but no, it's, you know, you know what, Cameron, all we can do as, you know, as fans is just hope for the best. And, you know, here at Touchline Takes, what we're going to do is just give you the hottest and spicy takes we can about stuff that's going on. And I believe this isn't going to be the end of these conversations about this Super League. Um, if this does transpire, we'll probably be complaining about mm-hmm. it for, for a long time to come. But um, yeah, no, I, I, I definitely agree. This is not going to be the last time we talk about this. Um, and as always, we'd like to put this out there if you are a fan of the sport um, specific club or you just have something to say about the super league reach out to us twitter instagram uh at touchline takes mm-hmm. uh if you want to come on the podcast heck we'll, we'll take you on we always love having having guests so exactly. uh, it doesn't matter if you work for a professional club or if you're just a fan of the game it's always good to have more company on the show so uh definitely feel free to reach out to us and carl our uh, our gmail that's Touchline takes at gmail.com. Touchline right? takes at gmail.com. Definitely reach out to us. Don't be scared. We don't bite. Um, we love the sport as much as anybody else. And like Cameron said, we would love to have you on and just talk about whatever you want to talk about. If you want to talk about soccer or football, and if you want to talk about your favorite club, or if you, you know, if you want to talk about your favorite pet or something that happened to you as a kid, we are more than open to discussing anything. Um, Mm-hmm. And we will try to transition it in a way to make sense on this podcast. For sure, my guy. Well, hey, um, it's been a depressing one. It, it's, I'm not going to say it's been a good one. It, it has not been a good podcast. Um, this is an awful podcast to have. Um, I'm surprised I didn't break down in tears during this. Um, but it's mm-hmm. always nice talking to you. You always make me feel better, Cameron. Oh, buddy. Um, and, you know, it's... The feeling's mutual. I'm glad it is. Well, I will see you later. And stay tuned, guys, listeners, because we're going to have more great content coming up. Hell yeah, buddy. I'll see you later. See you later. later.